You're listening to the Various and Sundry Things podcast, the Vast podcast. I am your host, Donna Gay Tyler. Hey, everybody. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. She's back. Wow. I made it back. Oh, my God. After such a long hiatus, I realized that that seems to be part and parcel of my podcast history. And I apologize. But I also want to say thank you at the same time to those of you who've been looking for new episodes and waiting around to see. And then you are listening to this one. I appreciate you so, so much. Um, One thing that I'm realizing as a budding podcaster is that, you know, this scheduling is really it's it's a doozy. It's definitely challenging trying to be a podcaster and do all the other things that um, I do in my life that I'm sure you do in your lives too. I'm a um, you know a mom, a wife, a daughter, um, a teacher, and I mean just that alone is like ah. And then you know as everybody else puts in their bio, a child of God and all that kind of stuff. And those aren't necessarily in their they're not a ranked order. That's just the order that they just kind of rolled off my head. But it's definitely put a, a little bit of a crimp in my uh, podcasting schedule, I haven't been as consistent as I wanted to be. And um, and even right now, I, I, you can probably hear it in my voice. I've got something going on. Um, I'm calling it al- allergies because I don't want it to be anything else. I don't have time to be sick. Not on top of all of that, you know, upper respiratory infections. They just seem to come and go like willy nilly nowadays. I think this is allergies though, because it was so warm here the other day. Oh my God, like two days ago, it was 71 degrees. Get out of here. Um, you know, in February. And now like today, this morning, it was like 28. Now I think the high today is supposed to be in the forties, but still like the temperature started off like 28 degrees. And it was freezing outside. And yesterday was a lot colder also, but it's just kind of crazy. And it, for me, it um, impacts my throat, like whatever the aller- things that I'm allergic to, the allergens or whatever, they just like, ha ha, we're going to get you. And they do. And they get me. And plus I talk for a living. Not, I'm not just talking about just as a podcaster, but as a teacher, um, I have to talk for a living. Um, and sometimes I do have to get a little bit, um, you know, have to turn up the volume, pump up the volume, pump up the volume so that the children of America and future leaders thereof can hear what I'm saying, or I can um, disrupt their conversations and things like that, or, um, you know, bring them back in. Most of the times when I'm raising my voice, it's in the hallway, go to class. You know, they like to stand around and talk to each other because they've never seen each other before. You know, it's like the first day of school all over again. It's like Groundhog Day for teachers. Like, oh my God, look at these kids. It's the same ones. All right. <laughs> However, I digress as I usually do. You've been all right. Everything going well in your neck of the woods. I certainly hope so. There's so many things going on. There's so many things that I want to talk about. I'm definitely going to have to limit um, the number of things that um, I talk about today. We just don't have the time for it. I mean, this this podcast, if I talked about everything that has been, that has been accumulating on my list, this particular episode will probably be like two hours long. I feel like I'm talking really, really fast now. Am I? I don't know. You not you haven't increased the speed of the podcast. I just feel like I'm talking really fast. My students have been reading a book. Um, we're in the middle of a novel called The Giver. If you've been in middle school any um in the past like whatever years, you've probably heard of this book, or maybe you know, depending on your age, you may have read it also. And um, so some we alternate the types of reading that we do um to get through the novel, but for the ma- most part, we uh, listen to it on Audible. And um, sometimes I speed it up because, you know, listening to somebody read a novel to you, if it's not, you know, truly interesting, can make you a little bit sleepy. And we do other types of reading, too. Sometimes I read aloud. Um, Very infrequently, I'll call on other students to read aloud. But sometimes that's just kind of, you know, that's kind of touch and go. It depends. Like if kids are good readers and want to read aloud, then fine. Um, But I don't like to put kids on the spot if they're not good readers because, you know, it can be it can can be cruel if you recall those incidences in school when um, the the kids who weren't so um, proficient at reading aloud had to read. Oh my God, that was excruciatingly painful for everybody, for everybody. So, but anyway, we listen to Audible a lot of school uh, while we're reading through 
um, the giver. And a lot of times I try to speed it up. But what's so funny is when I do speed it up, it's like, wait, it's going too fast. It's going too fast. I was like, you know, and it's, and I don't even have it that fast. I have it like 1.1, um, which isn't, you know, much faster than, you know, the regular speed. But what if I get past 1.25, oh my God, they're done. They're like, oh my God, one point two. that's what it sounds like. I guess that's my speaking in tongues or something like that for all the church goers out there. But anyway, I do feel like I'm talking really, really fast today. I've had coffee as I usually do, but hey, again, you haven't sped up your podcast listening uh, speed. It's just me. It's just me. I'm talking really fast. I got to get into everything that I want to talk about, or at least half of the list. Um, something that's been on my list that I talked about on the last podcast and is kind of still in the news, not as um, prominently, um, the shooting of the teacher by the six-year-old. Um, what was that in Virginia? Um, since the last time we talked, the um, superintendent was fired, the principal and assistant principal quit. Um, and the latest thing that I saw this week is that a number of parties are um, uh, have announced that they are filing lawsuits. Um, in particular, the teacher, I think her last name was Zerner or Zwerner. Um, she's, her attorney announced that she's going to be filing a lawsuit. Um, she was only 26 years old. She is. I don't want to say was. She is only 26 years old. And then I noticed that um, in the news that two parents said that they were going to be filing lawsuits also because of the trauma um, you know, the dangerous situation that was inflicted upon their kids who these are parents of students who were actually in the classroom with the shooter. Um, you may have also read, I did um, on a number of news outlets. Um, I think CNN was the last one I saw that said that this kid had been, um, someone had brought it to the um, administrator's uh, attention that he potentially had a gun. He had showed it to a student and threatened them, told them not to tell anybody else. And they, of course, checked his backpack, didn't find the gun. Later on in the class, kid pulls out gun, shoots teacher. Um, just a really, really ugly situation. And the more information that comes out about it, it just seems like a lot of people drop the proverbial ball. And it's, you know, it's a sad situation. Um, you know, the teachers harm, students are in harm's way. And that, you know, this six-year-old, God only knows what was going on with um, him or her. I think it was, um, I think it's a boy, a uh, six-year-old boy. I'm not entirely sure, but of course they haven't released the kid's name because he's only six, but I, I hope I'm not misgendering him. I think he's a boy. Um, of course, you've also been aware this week um, they finally shot down the uh, balloon that was a uh, uh, floating. The Chinese, um, what they think is a, was a surveillance balloon. Uh, China, I think, said it was like a weather balloon that got off course and drifted across, you know, the United States of America. And then um, it was funny because I'm also showing my kids uh, Flocabularies a Week in Rap. It's a great, great, great educational website. Um, they have all of these, just a whole menagerie of um, videos on whatever topic you name it and, you know, related to education, of course, but they are all in rap form, hence the term flocabulary. And every week they do a week in rap, R-A-P. So it's all, you know, the top stories. They have ones for like elementary school age students and middle and high school students. And so in this week's week in rap, they were talking about the balloon that had got gotten uh, shot down by the U.S. government. And then after we watched it, um, the news came up, like as a news report, um, some of the kids like, hey, it's a, there's another... Um, object, unidentified object that's flying over Alaska, I think it was. I believe it was shot down. Um, it was like, okay, what, it, what in the world is going on with China and their um, so-called uh, weather balloons or whatever? It's like, is TikTok not enough to spy on us? And by the way, I finally did get a TikTok account, but I haven't posted anything. And I really don't check it. Um, I don't look at it because everyone that I know that's in my age group that has a TikTok account says that it is a terrible rabbit hole. Like they'll get swallowed down um, going down, down, down the rabbit hole. And it's just, it's it's like, it's worse, they say, than Facebook and Instagram put, put together. And, you know, I don't fool with Twitter anymore. 
But I, I, I'm, so I guess I'm fearful because I feel like I'll be devoting a whole lot of time to TikTok, even though on Instagram, I see a whole bunch of videos, um, you know, uh, reposted anyway, but you know, Instagram is for old people who don't want TikTok. So I do have a TikTok account, but I haven't posted anything and I don't even know when I will. Like I, I created a video the other day because I had this wonderful tea. Oh my God. Um, from a little, uh, coffee place here in Lexington. It's called Be Mine Tea. And I, created a little video for it. It was so good, but I never did post it. I was like, I'm, I'm not that type of influencer. Yeah, that's, that's not my cup of tea. Ha ha. See what I did there? Okay. Yeah. Moving right along rather swiftly and quite smoothly. What else? Um, this, this came out um, way before um, this week, but there's still a lot of backlash about it. Every time I, like, I look at the curated news app that I watch um, or that I look, I read every day, there's always something talking about DeSantis, 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 you know, the governor of Florida, you know, who, um, pushback on the AP College Board to get rid of that um, AP US, um, a Black History um, program uh, class. And apparently they did, they took it and revamped it and then, um, you know, cut out, I guess, the parts that DeSantis didn't like, the parts about reparation. Um, and there were some other parts that were excluded and they repackaged it and gave it back to Florida. Whoop, there it is. Um, just, I'm kind of sick of him. Um, it's, it's sick of seeing him in the news. I realized that he's like kind of an early front runner, front runner for the Republicans in terms of their um, nomination uh, for, you know, potential um, candidate to come up against Biden. And of course, that's an asterisk if he decides to run again. And this is the first time in my lifetime that I've actually heard of this, that, you know, like the incumbent president, not that he said it, but there's a lot of talk, you know, he's older. Um, how old is Joe Biden? I know, ouch. I know he's in his seventies. I just tried to Grab my phone real quick to look up Joe Biden's age and hurt my finger. I know you don't care about that, but anyway, Joe Biden is older. Um, 46 current U.S. president of the United States of America. How old is he, y'all? Uh, 80. Good. Sorry. Good grief. I said I thought he was 70 something. He's 80. He'll be 81 this year. The Lord willing. November 20th. Um, good grief. Yeah. So I guess there is a lot of um, responsible talk, I think, in terms of whether or not um, he should run again at the age of 80. Um, it was the same thing with um, that senator. I think her name was Diane Feinstein from California. I've forgotten how old she is. Here we, here we go again. How old is Diane Feinstein? Um, because there's a lot of Democrats who've actually thrown their hat in the race. Um to run, even though she has not officially said that she would not run again for Senate. Oh my God, she is 89. Good grief. She will be 90 this year. Listen, I, that does that make me sound ageist? Mm, I hope not. I, I'm really not trying to suggest that they are too old to do the job, but to um mm, Perhaps there's something else that they, they can do um, besides hold those particular positions. Um, what else was on my list? Listen, I don't know if I ever officially said this, but I finally, finally turned to your neighbor, slap him a high five and hit him upside the head and let him know. I finally finished the 1619 Project, the book um, version of the New York Times um, piece, uh, you know, series that was produced um, by... Um, Nicole Hannah-Jones. I finally finished it. It's actually been a while now. I finished it, I think, before. Didn't I finish it before the end of 2022? I think I did um, while I was on my uh, winter break. And now, of course, there is a 1619 Project, um, a miniseries on um, Hulu, executive produced 
by, of course, um, amongst others, uh, Nicole Hannah-Jones. I've only seen the first two episodes and I think there's a total of six. So there should be like four of them out by now. Um, so the episodes um, cover the same um, essays as they do, some of the same essays in, as they do in the book. So the essays are, demar- and the, um, rather the episodes on Hulu are democracy, race, music, capitalism, fear, and justice. And um, like I said, said, I've I've seen the, watch the first two episodes and they were really, really good. You know, for a lot of people who, um, you know, took issue or whatever with the 1619 Project, and I've said this before, I believe on this podcast, they really just have never read it. I mean, it's what she's, um, what she and the other authors of these essays, these historians, journalists, um, researchers, what they've pulled together really can't be refuted. I mean, it's factual. Like, and I think that's what, you know, people like DeSantis, that's what they really have problems with. A lot of the information that they're, you know, railing against or whatever, it's factual information. So you don't want people to learn about how black people were treated in this country and how, you know, the beginnings of that, the origins of that, because that's what the 1619 Project is. It's an origin story. That's how she couches it. Um, they don't, you don't want people to learn you know, how this has gone on for centuries, 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 and still persists, you know, the evils thereof. So we were talking about, you know, I was talking to a friend about that uh, just the other day. It's like, you know, people be like, you know, black folks should be over slavery. And by now, you know, it's like, but, you know, other incidences in our um, incidents, I should say, in our history, you know, never forget, you know, we'll remember the Alamo and all that other kind of stuff. And, you know, um, 9-11, never forget that. And of course, we, we shouldn't. In as much as in the same breath as we should not forget about the atrocities that have been inflicted on African-Americans in this country since they got on these shores. Right. Everybody should learn about that. So we don't repeat those um, for a number of reasons. So we don't repeat, you know, the bad acts that we've persisted, persistently done against um, black people in this country so that we can you know, dismantle these institutions um, and injustices that, again, still persist today. I mean, that's been seen in that. Um, case with uh, Tyree Nichols and how he was killed by those um, police officers who were also black, but they represented a system, you know, a system of oppression. What I'm talking about with um, policing, you know, I've even seen a number of articles, not just about black people, but, you know, white people who are questioning like policing, like, you know, at this point, we just can't keep saying it's a, you know, a few bad apples. It's, It's like the whole batch, like, come on now. It's not just, you know, and of course I don't mean to suggest that every police officer, you know, is a bad cop, but, um, there, it's not just, it is not, you know, obviously there's some systemic situations going on, something wrong with the training. But if you look at the people who've studied this, you know, the inception of policing in this country, um, is all couched in, um, uh, slavery in terms of, you know, being slave catchers. And so if that's the mentality that people have been, um, you know, trained for, you know, all throughout centuries and, you know, decades and things like that. It's no wonder that um, Black people tend to bear the brunt of, you know, police brutality. That was not what I intended to get into in this podcast. I really just wanted to talk about a couple of topics, but amen. And wherever my amen corner is, amen now. So anyway, 1619 Project on Hulu. I got to check out the last two episodes. Like I said, I saw the first two. I think the second two were out, but I just haven't had a chance to watch them. Oh my God, because I got caught up, re-caught up in the Blacklist. That is my show. Do any of you watch The Blacklist? So The Blacklist stars um, James Spader as uh, Raymond Reddington. And um, so he's this like some type of spy. I've watched all of the seasons up until the, I've watched all of the seasons. The new one hasn't dropped yet. There's supposed to be a season 10 um, and allegedly the last uh, season. 
Um, it's supposed to come out sometime this year. I'm not entirely sure when. I'm like sitting on the edge of my seat, but um, I watched, you know, the original run when it was on um, NBC and now it's on Netflix. And so I've been rewatching it, I guess, to vamp up for the new season. But this is my genre for sure. Like if you know anything about me, I love spy movies, whodunits, um, murder mysteries, that kind of thing. So this is right up my alley. Um, definitely my genre. So like I said, it stars um, James Spader as Ra Raymond Reddington, who's some sort of spy. I can't figure out for whom or what entity he is spying. I don't know if he's an American spy, a Russian spy, somebody else's spy. Um, and the premise is, you know, he comes into um, uh, he's been like this most wanted fugitive, right? And then he turns himself into the FBI and becomes like, you know, um, a source of information, giving them uh, names off of this uh, so-called blacklist of these other kind of like uber mobsters, criminals, um, spies, international terrorists, and whatnot, and helping the FBI um, eventually catch all these people on this so-called blacklist. So, um, but one of the things that he does this for is, or apparently that he does this for, is to like connect with this lady named Elizabeth Keene, who we are not sure if she was his daughter, stepdaughter, played cousin, something. Um, because a couple, uh, two seasons ago, she ended up getting killed. And so it's like, wait, hold on. And it still isn't crystal clear as to whether or not um, this is his daughter. Um, but it's there's so many twists and turns and things like that. Um, it's, it's really entertaining television for me. Again, if you like spies and spying and he is, it's, it's interesting because he's a bad guy, but you end up rooting for him. Like you want him to get away each and every time. You don't you don't want him to get caught up by the CIA or the cabal that was early in, I guess, season three. Um, uh, that's the, the big um, international group that is, you know, um, actually running the world. And they have, you know, people um, in different positions in different governments across the world. And he knows them, but they're trying to get rid of him at one particular point and pinning the murders and some terrorist plot on Elizabeth at a point. It's just so twisted. Um, it kind of reminds me of, again, it's the same type of, uh, it's Jack Ryan, but Jack Ryan obviously is the good guy. He He's a CIA agent, CIA agent for the, um, obviously the US government, but it's that genre. It's, you know, I'm a spy agent. I'm a spy rather. Um, I, I'm trying to get away with some stuff. It's, it's super interesting. There are so many scenes that are just like, how does how did NBC get away with putting this on like primetime television? But I guess it must have come on after like nine o'clock because you know the stories or the television shows rather get a little bit more gory, get a little bit more bloody or you know, after nine o'clock, but a lot of scenes where people just get popped, you know, like and I'm talking about shot, like, you know, you know, like I don't have the, the noises, but like he's very ruthless. I mean, there's this one scene where um he's trying to get a name from a man who jumped who's jumping across uh, rooftops. And the man is telling him, you know, we're, I'm not the last one. There are more of us coming in. And it initially it looked like uh, Red is what they call him. Like Red was going to help him up onto the top of the roof. And he just let him go. Let homeboy fall to his death. I'm like, dang. I mean, a couple of that with several scenes where he just shoots people callously. You know, it's like, it's just, pers it's not personal rather. It's just all business and transactional. And then he has this, you know, broad um, lexicon I don't know. Like I said, he's a terrible, terrible bad guy. Um, obviously very conflicted about his roles. And you're not really sure if he is trying to help the government or if he's just trying to help himself. But I root for him every single episode. So anyway, I've been catching up on um, The Blacklist. 
um, in anticipation of the 10th season that hasn't dropped yet. And so I need to go back and, you know, get my history on and finish up the episodes of the 1619 Project. I'm um, speaking of whodunits and things like that. Um, this episode, I'm sorry, this series that I happened to come across on Apple TV called Truth Be Told. I saw it because um, what I saw seen online is that Gabrielle Union will be joining the third season of this show. And I was like, third season? What? How did I miss the first two? Um, not that I spent a lot of time watching um, Apple Pools. I have my picks over there. Um, what's the name of the show about the guy who's the um, soccer coach? Um, there's a third season of that that's supposed to be coming out too, um, but it hasn't come out yet. Um, but I love that show. It's on Apple TV. Apple, is it Apple TV or Apple Plus or whatever? What do they call it? Is it Apple Plus TV? Apple TV Plus. Um, but yeah, I absolutely um, love that show. And I can't think of the name of the show. Like, good grief. That's terrible. Okay, Ted Lasso. Truth be told, like I said, I don't watch a whole lot of stuff on Apple Plus TV or however. Yeah, Apple TV Plus. I love Ted Lasso and the next season hasn't come out of that yet. But um, like I said, truth be told, I saw was um, a drama that is in its third season and that Gabrielle Union was joining um, along with um, Octavia Spencer, Makai Pfeiffer, um, uh, Ron Cephas Jones, um, who if you remember, This Is Us, and he has been putting in some work, because I've seen him some of everywhere, now that I kind of like know who he is, and then um, even Merle Dandridge, if um, you ever watched that show, what was the name of that show? Um, it was about the church folk. That was real good. She was um, she was in that, and of course, I can't remember the name of anything right now. What was the name of that show? My husband actually watched that with me, and I was kind of um, tickled that he did, because I didn't think that was his genre. But anyway, um, it's not the have and the have nots. It's the church show. Ugh, Donna. Greenleaf. Ah. It was Oprah Winfrey produced, right? Wasn't it on um was it on the Oprah Winfrey network? I'm pretty sure it was. 2016 through 2020. Yeah, she was on Greenleaf. That was good. It was so juicy because it actually like reflected a lot of um real life black church stories. That was good. But anyway, she's also in um Truth Be Told. And the premise of that show is Octavia Spencer is a podcaster. Um and um, a writer who um, um, at one point in her career had written about a young man um, who she believed had killed his father, I believe it is, in the first season. And then as she's podcasting about it, um, because the young man, I think, is coming up for parole or something like that, it turns out that he is not the one that was responsible for the murders. And so she ends up investigating. And um, so, and that's the premise of each season. It's it's um, a podcast series that she ends up taking on. And in real life, she's actually, um, you know, it's one of those, it's like a true drama, true crime show. Cause the crimes that she's podcasting about, the, the show is purely fiction, but um, in it, she plays a character that is like investigating true crimes. And so it, it gets a really juicy. Um, the first episode, I'm sorry, the first season, I really didn't figure out who done it until like they really showed who had did it. Second season was pretty interesting. Um, the third season is where we get Gabrielle Union and she plays um, the principal of a school where, um, and in this season, the premise is that there are these girls who have gone missing, a lot of whom are black and no one really chases down their story. Their stories don't get publicized by the news. And it seems also that the police department isn't really interested, you know, in um, investigating what is happening to these missing girls. They, you know, often get labeled as runaways or something like that. But simultaneously, there's some, you know, a little blonde eyed white girl who goes missing and her face is plastered all over the news. And the police department is preoccupied trying to figure out what happened to her. And so so um, uh, 
uh, Octavia Spencer's character is, you know, feels that. I think somebody threw that kind of in her face um, at one episode um, early in um, the second uh, second se season, or rather I should say late in the second season, somebody throws that up in her face. Like, you know, how come you didn't do what you needed to do, you know, reporting on these uh, black girls um, instead of being preoccupied with the white girl. That was actually in the beginning of the third season. And so she takes it upon herself to kind of like investigate here. Makai Pfeiffer plays um, um, um a former Oakland police officer who also used to be her boyfriend when they were like teenagers or something like that. And what makes this particular uh, series, um, season rather, super good um, is his daughter kind of gets caught up in this world where these um, black girls are going missing or they're being exploited. And so, you know, you, here's this, you know, two parent household, you know, black fathers present and that kind of thing. Cause you know, that's a lot of things that get attributed to, you know, the fact that these girls end up going missing. Oh, they don't have a dad and nobody loves them and woo, blah, blah, blah. It's like, now nah, that's not the case. There's a lot of um, extra manipulation that's going on that people aren't aware of. And so his daughter ends up caught up in this. And I need to catch up on that one too, because they didn't release all the series that um, episodes at once, you know, you got to wait um, week after week. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm impatient. What's the whole point of streaming if I can't stream them all at one time? But nevertheless, I've been caught up watching that too. So if you get a chance, check up on that one. Um, truth be told on Apple Plus TV. So yeah, that's a lot of what I've been um, watching on uh, television. The Blacklist, uh, 1619 Project, Truth Be Told. Oh, and this other show, my husband started me watching it, Your Honor. I'll talk about that next week. It's really good too. It's also pretty violent and a lot of... Um, Tension, but it's very well written because you're kind of on the edge of your seat. Um, it's Brian Cranston. Um, he's the lead um, character there, and it's in its second season. Um, the first season, if you haven't watched it, in the first season, he's a, he's a judge, and his son accidentally um, has a car accident that kills the son of a local mobster. It takes place in New Orleans, and um, Initially, they're going. He's going to turn himself in. The judge is going to have his son turn himself in until he realizes that the father of the young man who's killed is this like notorious mobster. And he's like, "Uh, uh we ain't doing that." And so they go through all of these um, machinations and try to, you know, cover up the crime. But it's eventually come, um, you know, revealed that his son is in fact the killer. And then it's somebody else ends up dying, and it's just all of this convoluted plot. But it's really, really good. And I don't mean convoluted in a negative way. It's a lot of twists and turns and um it's it's really really good stuff like when when you really um when everything is like revealed and it looks like everybody's going to get their comeuppance because that's what you kind of want sometimes, right? You want the bad guy to you know, you know, get their comeuppance and it appears that that's going to happen and in the final episode of the first season like Oh my God, it, that's the one that you really, really got to watch. Like, it's like, oh my God, you, he's right there. And then all of a sudden it takes another twist. And so we're into the second season. And again, this is another one. I think it's on Showtime. Um, they don't drop all the episodes at one time. So you can't stream the whole season, but it's really, really good. And so I've been trying to stick around for that one too. Um, uh, one of the other shows that I've been watching. And then lastly, on this episode of the podcast, I want to talk about the Grammys. I know a lot of people have already discussed the Grammys on their various podcasts and on news outlets and things like that. So the Grammys were last Sunday. I did not watch them. I used to live for that kind of stuff though when I was younger, you know, to see the performances. And I, in my lifetime, I've seen some really, really good performances um, on the Grammys. And then I've seen some not so good performances on the Grammys. And of course, as I get older, and I'm sure a lot of people have this experience too, you know, the music becomes, and I don't mean this in a bad way, but it becomes less and less relevant because you, you know, you're older. And so you, you know, like your likes are kind of like in a certain category 
And and it's just it's just the nature of aging, I think, um, for a lot of people, obviously not for everyone, but for a lot of people, you know, your likes are kind of in a certain category. And so some of the newer artists, you don't really don't really necessarily appeal to you because, you know, a lot of times it's just age, um, not necessarily culture. I think um, it's just age. Like I, I like a good singer. And um, so some of this, you know, new hip hop stuff, I, the hippity hop stuff, <laughs> the old, old folks say, I, I, I don't know what they're saying. So I just, you know. And ironically, they did a, a 50 year tribute uh, to hip hop at the Grammys, which I heard was really, really good, but also heard there was like a big gap between um, decades, between the represented uh, decades of performers. And so that was, that's kind of funny um, just to hear about that, but I didn't watch it. And it's funny because like I, um, I said, a lot of this, um, a lot of hip hop, you know, was coming around or being created, you know, during my youth. So I can relate to some of the music that was um you know, some of the entertainers that were on the stage during that time, even if I wasn't necessarily listening to the genre and totally committed to it, you you had to be under a rock to, you know, and to get away from it. It's like saying you grew up in the United States in the 80s and you have no idea who Michael Jackson was. Get out of here with that. Anyway, so um, I guess I was just kind of like tuning in um, to my um, news app on my phone to figure out if Beyonce would break the record for, um, you know, the holder as the holder of most Grammys. And eventually she did um, that night. She is, I think she's got 32 Grammys now and um, she has the most uh, Grammys of anyone um, in any of your faves, any of my faves, which is amazing to me. And I realize that we're talking about people whose careers, you know, may not have had the same length as hers. So, you know, people were talking about she has more, you know, Grammys than Michael Jackson. I was like, well, did he have as long a, of a career as Beyonce did? I guess so, though. Um, you know, because he started out as a kid. So, you know, Michael Jackson had a long, long, long career. I mean, I just remember, I remember watching the Grammys the year that he won. Um, he and Quincy Jones, of course, were producing and all that kind of stuff. One for Thriller. And, you know, you remember the jacket that he had on and his arm full of Grammys. So anyway, I just wanted to, um, I was like, again, tuning in to my news app just to check to see if Beyonce won. I mean, you you know, she's an, an amazing talent, you know, whether or not that's your genre of music and whether or not, you know, you're a huge fan of the Beehive and all that other kind of stuff. You know, I've seen, a, oh my God, there's been so many think pieces and, you know, folks talking, especially um, Black church folk talking about, you know, how she is, you know, I guess a witch and a member of the Illuminati and all this other kind of foolishness. Foolish man, I'm like whatever. Um, she, she, what you cannot take away from her is that she is a talented, talented performer. Um, I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say that she is like the Michael Jackson of our time. You, you can't get away from her. I mean, she has international appeal. Um, her, the tickets for her um, tour, her Renaissance tour, just went on sale. Was it pre-orders when the regular tickets are now on sale? Child, folks will be taking out second mortgages. <laughs> to buy those tickets. I mean, if somebody wants to gift me with some tickets, I'll go. Otherwise, I um, really can't afford them on my teacher's salary. But I mean, she's an amazing performer. I watched, um, what was her Netflix special where she did like the tribute to the HBCUs? Um, it was Homecoming, um, her Beyonce's uh, Netflix uh, movie. Um, you know, it was the in-depth look I'm looking at online right now. At, um, in intimate in-depth look at Beyonce celebrated 2018 um, Coachella performance. Um, listen, that thing was good. I've watched that actually more than once. Um, you know, behind the scenes, she had just given birth to twins and had, you know, signed up to be, you know, the headliner at Coachella. And so she was trying to, you know, get her body back into performance shape. Um, 
you know, being a, um, a mom to, you know, baby babies, in addition to Blue, who I know is a couple years older than her twins now, who we don't really see much of. And good for her for keeping her family, you know, out of the limelight like that um, and away from all the criticism and all that other kind of stuff, which I'm sure she probably insulates herself from anyway. I mean, girlfriend really does. She lives her life off the radar in as much as possible. She'll pop out when she has some music or, you know, some other type of deals, um, you know, things that she's trying to promote, like her clothing. Um, what is it called? Ivy Park her, um, you know, clothing line, uh, casual wear line or whatever with Adidas, but I am not mad at her for living her life on her own terms. Plus, you know, the music that she comes out is, you know, authentic to who she is. I mean, she's, her trajectory as an artist, um, you know, the way that she's, you know, like kind of widen her range and, you know, embrace social issues and things like that. And, you know, um, pushed to the front forefront, you know, her, um, blackness. I think that, I think that's pretty cool. I, you know, She's a great singer, great dancer, you know, great performer, a great entertainer. I, I apparently, I guess I'm a, you know, de facto member of the Beehive. I've already said, I think she's the Michael Jackson of our time. I don't think there's another um, entertainer that is on that same level. Not right now. I, I mm -mm. not right Not that can do all that she does and command the attention um, that she commands. I mean, and plus all of the Grammy wins, I think, you know, speaks to that. Of course, with her Grammy wins, there is the controversy, um, yeah, she's got 32, that she lost again in the category of album of the year to Harry Styles. This is her fourth time overall in that category. And uh, her 15th loss, I think, for loss rather for record, album, and song of the year. She's been nominated in these categories, um, you know, multiple times and has lost. So, you know, all the Grammys that she picked up were um, genre um, specific as opposed to, you know, like the album of the year, the record of the year, the song of the year, which is more, you know, a broad-based um, award. And even, um, you know, the controversy of course was, um, or was, is, however you want to couch that, you know, if she's this phenomenal um, entertainer and she has such, has such a broad reach, then what is it about, you know, the Grammy voters that just don't see her like that? And some of the things that have come out is that, you know, people are kind of like voting against her because somebody was saying, you know, because every time she does something, you know, it's always like this big deal and it's this big to do. It's like, well, cause she's, she is a big deal and it is a big to do. I remember when Michael Jackson was at the height of his popularity and his videos were being, um, premiered on, you know, network television, like, you know, this special, um, uh, TV show that we're going to show tonight is Michael Jackson's Thriller. Like what? You know, that was like on ABC or NBC or whatever it was. I mean, that's, that's the type of attention that Beyonce's um, work um, commands. And so I think people vote against, or at least that's what I read um, in a couple of articles, that some of the people are voting against her because of that, you know, um, which I, I mean, honestly, if you boil all that down, that's just hating. It's haterism. That's all that is. Um, I, I was kind of happy to see that. Um, uh, is it Samara? Samara Joy won um, Best New Artist. I got hooked up to her uh, on social media, um, I guess about a year or so ago. Um, a young lady, but um, sings um, in the jazz uh, jazz category, but she is some phenomenal artist. Oh my God. She is, her voice is silky and butter and she does all the things and yeah. So if you haven't listened to her, you know, go and make yourself a fan of hers. Um, what? Uh, oh, this one article that I read, you may have read this one too, by an LA Times writer said Beyonce should never attend another Grammy Awards show. You know, it'd be one of those situations like, well, Beyonce won the award, but she's not here tonight. Um, so we accept this in her honor that, you know, and I'm glad that she didn't perform this year either, because, you know, when she does show up, when she does perform, of course, it 
you know, helps the uh, Grammys programs get, you know, these big ratings. But it's clear that the people who vote um, the Grammy voters don't appreciate um, her, you know, in, in a on a large scale. And they keep pegging her, um, you know, Renaissance as a dance album or whatever like that. Um, now, mind you, I'm not, again, I'm not the world's biggest Beyonce fan. There are a couple songs that I like him. As a matter of fact, my daughter was a huge fan of Love on Top about two years ago. I do not know what it was about that song. She wasn't even, you know, like talking, saying all the words, but she was trying to get all her little hip shaking moves. I was like, Lucia, what kind of non-church girl am I raising? But it was funny. Um, yeah, so she was a big fan of Love on Top. Um, I, I have the Renaissance album on my phone. Um, and break my soul, honey. That's one of my anthems. Like seriously, after a hard day at work, <laughs> that's definitely what um, I pump. Actually, um, going and coming, going to work and coming home from work. Sometimes that's my anthem. Um, I haven't really did a deep dive into any of the other tracks on there. I know that you know some of the church folk get mad because the was a Twinkie. I think um, lent. Uh, Again, the Clark sisters did because they've done this before for a Beyonce and Jay Z collaboration, as a matter of fact, a couple years ago. But Twinkie again um, lent or uh, allowed her um, one of her songs to be sampled on Beyonce's uh, Church Girl track or whatever. And, um, you know, I know black church folk was up in arms over that. Like, you know what? Whatever. I mean, seriously, let, let, let these folks live. It's music. It's music. And it does. It has a very wide appeal. And, you know, some folks who ain't never even heard of the Clark sisters, you know, um, will be, you know, pulled to their music. And honestly, they'll get get the money that they are due. I mean, church folk can have these people come and perform in their services and then give them fruit baskets for payment. Go on, get out of here or empty envelopes. <laughs> Here's an envelope. What's in it? A thank you card. Honey, miss me with that. Thank you so much. All right. Um, some other controversy. I didn't mean to spend that much time. Oh my God, I do sound like a be a beehive fan, a Beyonce stan. Hey, if does do I get free merchandise for this? Anyway, um, <laughs> I do. I, th I think the girl can sing. It's, it's it's you can't you can't argue with that. Girl got some. She got some pipes. Is that what they say? Do they still say that? She is. She's talented. She's talented. I like her music. Anyway, um, does that make me a de facto non church girl? What else? Um, some of the other controversy, I guess, that came out was um, Kirk Franklin sweeping in most of the Kirk Franklin and um, Maverick City music sweeping in most of the um, categories that they were nominated in related to gospel. And um, oh, the fact that Maverick City uh, sang with um, what's the rapper's name? Well, it was in the tribute to Takeoff, right? I hope I'm getting this right. That's the one that got killed from the from Migos. Um, yeah, it was Takeoff that got killed. So um, I forgot which one did the tribute to him, but, um, uh, what was it? Had, what an offset must've been another one. Quavo, right? Was it Quavo? I don't know. I'm sorry. But anyway, one of them, uh, did the, the tribute, you know, it was like in the, um, you know, those who we lost in the last year. And so whoever was the rapper that was singing, um, you know, rapping or whatever. And I guess he was talking about smoking a or something, and uh, members of Maverick City um, were also part of the, you know, singing group that was part of this uh, tribute. And so, you know, church folk, I guess, you know, threw up their lap rags and holy oil and, you know, all kinds of stuff, you know, particularly black church folk, you know, get all bent out of shape over this, these, these types of collaborations. And then the fact that um, Maverick City and Kirk Franklin and them um, did a performance. And when was the last time you saw a gospel performance at the Grammys? Well, anyway, um, they did a performance either just before or just after Sam Smith, 
who um, pretty much uh, paid tribute to the idea of Satan because we he's y'all do know that Satan is not running around in a red jumpsuit with a pitchfork and a pointy tail. That's no. Mm-mm. I remember my dad used to say that when he when I was younger. He was like, you know, it's so funny because we scare people with that image. You know, now I don't doubt that that particular imagery that was used by that performer was not used, you know, with a particular intent. But that's not really what the devil looks like, right? Right. So anyway, a whole bunch of church folk have been, you know, posting their own little think pieces and think posts about, you know, whether or not, you know, gospel music has any business on being on the same stage with that kind of um, display, um, you know, being part of that uh, tribute, you know, considering that the context that the um, rapper was using, Um so like I said, there was a lot of controversy behind that. A lot of folk posting online. As a matter of fact, I heard that some gospel artists themselves, some other big time gospel artists themselves were posting, you know, and saying, you know, I'm not dealing with this. This is wrong. Folk know they wrong. And uh, talking about um, Kirk Franklin and um, Maverick City and they, they, that they shouldn't have been there. You know, what what fellowship, you know, that that Bible verse, what fellowship has light with darkness? I was like, were they singing the music to the devil? Make make this make make that part make sense to me, because I don't. The Grammys, we know what it is. It's an awards show, so it's a it's a it's a it's a tribute to all types of music. And I get it that you know some music is appropriate and some may be inappropriate. You know, depending on where you are. Um, but I don't I don't think um, I used to have a, a blog called Me Myself Personally. Uh, but I don't think Me Myself Personally, all three of us, I don't I don't think it was anything wrong with them being at the performance, being at the Grammys. You know, the gospel artists being at the Grammys. Um, I heard Kev on stage say the same thing. It was like when the Clark sisters, have you ever seen the Clark sisters movie? Um, when uh, they were, um, you know, like like reprimanded by the uh, church organization, the coaching church at the time for performing at the Grammys, the Clark sisters were along with their mother, who was the international president of the music department at the time, Dr. Maddie Moss Clark. Um, she was reprimanded. Uh, she and the girls, I guess, were uh, reprimanded for performing at the Grammys. You know, again, what fellowship has light with darkness? Y'all out there on the stage with all these secular artists. It's like, it's music. It's music. And it's not like they're denouncing their faith. I think that they're proclaiming their faith by the music that they're singing. I mean, if we only, if church folk are only going to sing inside of a church, then how are we getting the message of the gospel out? Um, you know, news, newsflash, we're not, you know, uh, what do they say? Spoiler alert. We're not. If we're only singing music to church people in church, then we're actually not spreading, you know, the message of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, you know, the message of love, which is what the Bible's all about. God so love the world. Right, right, right. But anyway, I mean, a whole big nasty to do um, to the point, I guess, that um, Kirk Franklin himself felt compelled to um, get on uh, live on his Instagram. And it was kind of cute because um, I guess a lot of people thought he was going to address head on whether or not um, he and um, Maverick City Music should have been there, but he really didn't. Um, and I thought it was rather clever of him. What he did do was say that um, rightfully that a lot of times over the years, um, a lot of the wars that he has won has simply been because of name recognition, that he, his wasn't necessarily you know, the most outstanding performance or piece of music in the particular category that he was nominated in. But just because people know his name, you know, because he has international recognition, then, you know, Grammy voters who may not be that well versed in gospel, you know, just like in a lot of these other genres that people are voting in, 
Um, it was like, oh, Kirk Franklin. Okay, we'll give the war to him. And when he was saying this, I did go back and watch his live. It's about 18, 20 minutes long on Instagram. I thought about um, the Winans for years and years and years and years. Whatever they put out ended up winning a Grammy Award. And that's just because they had the name recognition. I mean, the whole family. You know, it could have been Winans box of cereal. Oh my God, that's the best cereal. I mean, it was, it was, it was like that because the whole family was a group of talented singers. They had this, you know, national recognition and whatever they put out ended up winning. And it wasn't necessarily that their music was the best in the category that year, but because they had the name recognition, the Grammy voters voted for them. And so Kirk Franklin, you know, cop to that. He was like, I'm aware of that. I know that that that's, that's probably the case. He's like, I'm not necessarily saying that that's the case this year, because of course he doesn't want to take anything away from the, you know, the singers, um, the people who are part of um, Maverick, Maverick City. Um, which I think is, you know, it's fair. It's fair for him to say that. And actually, you know, it's actually um, a little bit brave too to admit to that. Um, but instead, what he said was, you know, we should go out and support um, the music of these other people who were nominated um, in the same category. And he ran down all the people who were nominated, you know, for like for best gospel performance and best gospel album. Um, a couple of people who I had never um, listened to their music, but I did. I started because I, you know, I was like, hey, you know, that's a good idea. Let me um, take a listen to that. I mean, I know um, the music of uh, Ricky Dillard because I'm from Chicago, you know, grew up with um, New G, New Generation back in the day. Um, so, I, you know, I grew up listening to their music. So I'm familiar with him um, and his music. Um, an artist named Doe, who I think is under the tutelage or at least under the record label of uh, Jonathan McReynolds. I listened to her the other day on the way to to work. And um, I, th I thought that was pretty cool of him to say that. And what he did say was like, I bet y'all thought I was going to be like, you know, we shouldn't have been there and blah, blah, blah. He's like, but you know, the God that I serve, he is the one who makes these decisions. Let let the, you know, the weed and the tear grow up together and he's going to do the picking and he's going to do the dividing and he's going to going to do the separating. Because again, I, I, I agree with his stance on this. You know, if, if we're only singing our gospel in venues that are just for people who already are saved and who is the message re reaching? I mean, Jesus even said that. I, I I didn't come to heal those that didn't need healing. You don't go to the doctor when you're well. You go to the doctor when you're sick. You don't visit the emergency room. You don't end up in the hospital because you are already healed. You know, you know, Jesus's purpose for coming was to seek and save those who are already lost. So, if, you know, if our gospel is hidden, I think I'm in the book. If our gospel is hidden, it is hidden to those who are lost. So anyway, I didn't mean to get off on my little own little soapbox on that. <laughs> And last but not least, oh my God, speaking of music and the Grammys, last, lastly, I promise last. So Chris Brown and Robert Glasper, did you hear about this? Okay, this was this was hilarious to me. That's that's when, when something is super funny, that's what I say. It's hilarious. Oh my God. And I know that's corny, but I don't care. It's me. So um, you know who Chris Brown is, R&B artist. How old is he now, by the way? Chris Brown apparently is um, 33 years old. Didn't realize he was that old. Um because I feel like he should be actually a little bit older. But anyway, um, he's, he's been around for a minute. Um, I'm not the biggest Chris Brown fan. Um, and, and that's not to take away anything from his um, performance, um, you know, his performances and his musical abilities and anything like that. Um, I know a lot of people who are big time Chris Brown fans. Unfortunately, um, as you are probably well aware, his biggest, uh, most, you know, infamous um Thing that he's known for is, you know, beating up his then girlfriend, uh, Rihanna. As a matter of fact, you know, the night before Grammy's telecast, was, you know, a number of years ago at this point. And yes, some of us really, you know, yeah, it is just it's what is what his big claim to fame is. And it's unfortunate. Um, a lot of people that will argue that he really didn't handle the aftermath of that well at all. You know, whoever his publicist was, his inner circle and all that other kind of stuff. You know, it just didn't go well. Um, I mean, it, 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 he handled it 
as poorly as the situation was to begin with. You know, he was, you know, it seemed like he wasn't um, taking accountability for his actions and he got mad every time somebody brought it up and asked him. And yes, I do believe, um, I've heard a lot of people say this and I wish I could attribute to the, attribute it to the last person I heard say this, but you're not, you know, you are not the last bad thing that you did. You're not the sum of all the th bad things that you've done in your life. You definitely, you know, your biggest, baddest moment, your worst moment is not the sum of who you are as an individual. And I'm pretty sure I just butchered that. And I get that because that would make me mad too. If every time somebody see me and talk about me, you know, Hey, Oh, there's Donna. And remember when you did X, Y, Z, like, really, we're not going to let that go. We not, y'all just, we're going to hold on to that for forever and ever. Amen. Okay, great. So I, that I can definitely relate to, but I think you have to take a lot of humility when you're caught in that type of situation. You, you definitely got to humble yourself, you know, and not think it above you to, you know, kind of address, you know, the situation that you put yourself in. But anyway, I digress. So what had happened was, is Chris Brown was um, nominated for a Grammy in um, the category, I guess, of uh, best R&B album. And so he lost to uh, Robert Glasper. And so he got on um, Instagram and said, um, who the F is... Um, <laughs> And he didn't, I don't think he blocked it out. Like who the F is uh, Robert Glasper? Like, you know, you know, in other words, you know, like how, how did he win? You know, cause I guess, you know, the point was like, if he, he didn't know who he was, then Chris Brown saying, if he didn't know who Robert Glasper was and how was it that he was able to win for a best R&B album? So then later on, I guess he figured out, somebody pulled his coattail and was like, bruh, bruh. And so he posted a, um, an apology. Congratulations, my brother. I would like to apologize if you took offense to my reaction at the Grammys. You were not the intended target, really. And I know I came off really rude and mean. Sorry, I'm editorializing, but it's my podcast. He continued, after doing my research, I actually think you're amazing. The organization isn't doing us Blacks our due diligence. You and I should never be in the same category. Two totally different vibes and genres. Nope, that's not true. So from one Black man to another, congratulations. Hope you are able to feed your family for life. God bless you, my G. Um, this CNN article goes on to say the win was Glasper's fifth. So, um, excuse me, Chris Brown, you just need to come up a little bit. And a lot of people I know have already said that. Um, yeah, so, right. Um, I got put on to Robert Glasper, oh my God, a little while ago. And uh, I started following him on social media. He is, I, I mean, for people who don't know who he is, I mean, just a quick, um, like if you just look up his music on whatever music platform you listen to. So like, I'm, I'm a big Apple music person, right? That that's what I pay for. So, I mean, you can get, um, uh, his, his product, you can see his projects, his black radio projects. I think this one that he won for is black radio three. Um, I'm looking on Wikipedia now he won in 2013 for best R&B album, black radio. So I guess it's like black radio one. Um, and he's been a, um, a producer, a keyboard player, um, you know, so a musician, an engineer, all this other kind of stuff with a ton of artists. Um, He's also won, I'm still on uh, good old um, reliable Wikipedia, I say that tongue in cheek. He won the 2017 Primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Origi Original Music and Lyrics for his song, A Letter to the Free, featured in the Ava DuVernay's um, uh, documentary 13th. That was on um, Netflix. I watched that too, um, with Common and Karian Riggins. Um, he also scored the Emmy-winning documentary, The Apollo, won a Grammy for his soundtrack to Miles Ahead, and composed the original score for Issa Rae's The Photograph. I never saw that. Was that really good? Um, but he has been, he has written, performed, and produced on albums 
for some of everybody, some of everybody. And, and I'm pretty sure that's how I heard about him because somebody was like, oh my God, Robert Glasper is on this project. And I was like, who, what? And then I was like, oh, okay, let me tune in and see. And so, like I said, I've been following him around on social media, but if you just like, you know, like Google him or, you know, like I said, um, a couple seconds ago, look him up on whatever music platform you listen to, you'll see his influence all over the place. And so the reason that I say that Chris Brown is wrong, um, because Black Radio 3 is a, um, I was going to say gospel, it is an R&B project. Do people still say albums? Well, yeah, the category is album of the year. So we can say albums. That makes us sound dated because people don't actually put out albums anymore. But you know what we're saying, projects. Anyway, nevertheless, I really am talking kind of fast, aren't I? But yes, it, it really is an R&B um, project. And it's really, really good. Um, you know, some of the artists that are singing on there, um, Yeba, um, that girl can sing anything. I mean, whew, she is super duper talented. I like the way she maneuvers her voice. Um, so maybe the Yeba piece is on the Supreme edition, I think, or something like that. Yeah. So um, I don't know if that's on the regular one, the Black Radio 3, um, the song with uh, Yeba, but like Jennifer Hudson's on there, Layla Hathaway's on there, Common's on there, um, Esperanza Spalding. Oh my God. Oh no. Yeah. She's on the regular one. She's on the Black Radio 3. Yeba's on this uh, track called Over. Everybody Love is music. Um, soul Child. I mean, get out of here talking about, oh, BJ, the Chicago kid. I like his voice too. Um, Let Us See and Gregory Porter. I'm done. I'm done. I saw, I've seen uh, Gregory Porter in concert once before. Amazing. And I get it. He, Gregory Porter definitely is more of a jazz, um, artist, but, um, I think he can cross over genres um, and a lot of these other um, artists on here too uh, do. It's definitely in the R&B genre. I think, I don't know. I hate that. Um, I hate that for Chris Brown, that that was how he, you know, came upon who is Robert Glasper, but in his um, defense and Robert Glasper Glasper's defense, homeboy came out with a t-shirt. Who the F is Robert Glasper? And I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's sold out. And I know I can't wear that to work necessarily. And I guess as a Christian, I probably shouldn't be wearing that anyway, but I thought it was hilarious. I was like, way to capitalize on that um, apparent anonymity when it comes to some of the other artists in the same category. Why didn't you just look them up in the first place? But anyway, yeah, he came out with a t-shirt, which I think sold out online. online. Who the F is Robert Glasper? Genius marketing genius, right? Right. That's definitely turning lemons into lemonade. That's all right. I ain't mad at him. That's the last thing I wanted to talk about that. That's it. Y'all that's everything that's on my list for now. Um, like I said, at the beginning of the podcast, I appreciate you finding me again. Um, sticking with me when my schedule just does not uh, permit me to kind of sit down and do what I want to do behind this microphone. Pastors would say behind the sacred desk, I shall lie. But anyway, um, I'm glad to be back. And um, I definitely got to get to a schedule and stick to it so that you can find me on your favorite podcasting app or wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, so in the meantime, until we talk again, listen, um, stay healthy, get you some good medicine, um, take some herbs or something, because I'm about sick of all this stuff going around, right? Wear a mask. That's probably what I need to do. Start wearing a mask again. <sighs> That's a podcast topic for another episode. But anyway, stay classy and thanks for stopping by.